0: Gonna go Old Testament today. How about that? It's gonna be Judges chapter seven. So, go toward the beginning and go over about uh, 295 pages. I think 295 pages will get you get you where we're gonna be. What we're gonna talk about today is, is a. Um, it's not an unfamiliar passage, but uh, for for some folks it may be we usually come at this from a little different perspective maybe, but um, we're going to talk about the vigilant ones. I, I don't know, you know, everybody's always trying to come up with some really cool title for a message. And uh, I'm, I'm usually not a real cool title guy. You know, I like, I like to come up, you know, if I get one every now and then, then, I, then I'm all happy. You know, it's all exciting. It's kind of like these ladies opening up, you know, those, uh, those, what's the oyster thing y'all open up now and can get your little pearl and and make your, make your jewelry and all that stuff, you know. I saw somebody post the other day and said that you, they've seen somebody get like two out of one or whatever. We saw those when we were at Universal. I didn't get one for Michelle. I'm sorry, y'all. I didn't buy the little pearl, you know, or open up the thing. Then you got to pay, because that's the easy part. Then you got to pay to get the jewelry made. So I, I don't have some, you know, re- this really cool title, but I will say the subtitles, all right, Fighting With their Heads Up. Um, all right, I'll talk to the guys for a moment. All right, so uh, got any MMA fans? Don't know anybody want to admit it. All right, that's okay. So, so so, we've got this fight that's fixing to come up. This is not in my sermon notes. We got this fight that's coming up. All right, right, so we got Floyd Mayweather. Moneymaker, Flayweather, and Conor McGregor, and so we've got an MMA guy, and we've got a boxer, and, and they're gonna fight. I'm still not convinced what I think's gonna happen. I really don't know, you know, because, because Floyd never really, he doesn't, his whole thing is defense, right? You know, he's, he stays away from everybody. He wants to not get hit. Now, I'm impressed, though, because when I, I watch him bob and weave, and it reminds me of myself when I was younger. A lot younger, in my dreams, <laughs> you know. Because man, I mean, he's bobbing his head and stuff, and them guys be swinging. I was watching it the other day. I was watching some some of the press stuff, and and they're 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 swinging and all this, and he just he just letting it fly by, you know. But then I'm watching McGregor, and and like I, they did a sports science thing for all the all the guys on ESPN. They did a sports science thing, and and they they showed how much pressure that he generates and force he generates because it's like he winds up he comes from way back and he's like a pitcher he steps in and swings and it was it was crazy i mean it was crazy amount of force that he's putting on people so but i was thinking the whole time because i remember uh i was at a friend's house this has been a few two years too many years ago but i was at a friend's house how many of you maybe some of the older guys one might be with me on this how many of you guys watched Tyson's first fight after he got out of prison? Yes, because it wasn't, but like what? It was like 20 some odd seconds or something like that, or you know. But but anyway, I mean it wasn't much, you know. But man, I was a, because Iron Mike. I mean, man, he'd be and he'd be he'd be down and then and then just like boom, he'd hit somebody. And I watch some of these boxers sometimes because Boston kind of does doesn't have the same flair that it used to have. I know you. you know, I'm normally not going to hear about boxing during a service because it seems so unchristlike. Um, we're just going to find a way to tie it in and fighting to be part of our message today. How about that? But you would see some of these guys, and they talk about man. You know, if a guy leads with his jaw, man, if if he's if he doesn't keep that jaw tucked down and keep that head and keeps some... man, if he doesn't if he'll get he'll get knocked out. But What we're going to see in Judges is a little different concept because the people that kept their head down were the people that God didn't choose. It was the people that kept their head up. So contrary to boxing philosophy, we're going to talk about fighting with our heads up. So Judges chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. Here we go. Wouldn't you love to have this name, Jerubbabel? That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? They could just call you Jeru. That's what I'd go with. That actually is pretty cool, you know, I mean, Jeru. All right. Jeru, well, that is Gideon. I'd rather go with my middle name or whatever, Gideon. And everyone who was with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them below the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many people For me to hand the Midianites over to you, or else Israel might brag, I did it myself. Now announce in the presence of the people, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the people turned back. But 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many people. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. If I say to you, this one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about someone, this one cannot go with you, he cannot go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Separate everyone who laps water with his tongue like a dog. Do the same with everyone who kneels to drink. The number of those who lapped with their hands to their mouths was 300 men and all the rest of the people knelt to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and hand the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tent, but kept the 300 who took the people's provisions and their trumpets. The camp of Midian was below him, in the valley. Let's pray over the word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for who you are. God, help us to get something out of this today, to see something in your word that is not just educational. It's not just historical, but God, it actually does something for us in our lives today because you're not the God of the past. You're not the God of what used to be. You're not the God of of things that happen and were historical. You're the God of all things, which includes us today and our lives in this moment. And God, we need to know how to get through this thing called life. God, we don't just need to know what somebody else did and what's in a history book. We need to know what that means for us today. So God, I pray that you'll help us to see that. And you'll help change something in our way of thinking and in our approach to life for us to see what it is that you want to do in us and through us and to us. And God, we'll give you all the praise. We just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ, and church together said, Amen. Amen. All right, so let me give you a little backstory on what's happening here. So if we went back into Judges chapter 6, what we would see is that there is this real problem in Judges chapter 6 verse 1. And here's what it says. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> There's where it starts. They were doing evil. In God's eyes, what God had laid out and planned and established for them to do, they were doing something totally contrary. And to the point that the second part of that verse says, so the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years and they oppressed Israel. Here's what was going on. For seven years in a row, and this would have been the eighth year, but for seven years in a row, annually, the Midianites would raid Israel. They would get together, they would come in, they would cross the River Jordan, and they would attack Israel, they would plunder, they'd take everything they had, they would take all their, their crops and all this stuff. And so, seven years in a row, this has happened. This is going to be the eighth year that they're about to be raided once again. And I, as I was going through that thought process, it well, I need to tell you something else first. So, who's Gideon? Gideon is this guy, he's he's not super well known, but he's apparently known by enough people in some different tribes that when God calls him, he does have a following that comes after him. But Gideon ends up becoming a judge because this is before Israel starts having kings. You'll see it in order in the Bible. You get judges and you got kings and you got all this other stuff that'll happen. So he ends up, he's going to be a judge, he's going to be a warrior, he's going to be a prophet. But God decides to call Gideon to say, Look, I I want you to be the agent through which I deliver my people. We're going to get past this annual raid this time. I've let you be seven years, but here in this eighth year, we're going to stop this thing, but I'm going to do it through you. So Gideon must be this awesome dude that is like Conor McGregor. Because, you know, everybody was short back then. So... (laughs) So, so he's like, got to be this awesome guy that, that is like just warrior known. You know, he's going to be out here beating his chest and yelling, and everybody's going to be like, hoo-ah, you know, all that. Right? Right, one? Hoo-ah. All right. Okay, all right. I was trying. It's not, that, it's not that good coming from me. You would think that's who this guy must be, that God's going to pick somebody who's super well-known. He's, he's a mighty warrior and all that stuff. When God sends the angel to find Gideon, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine vat. And the Bible says that in, in, in chapter 6, it says that the reason that he's in the wine vat, and we're not talking about like he's in some little old, you know vat. He's in this big thing where they're, they're, they're pressing you know, grapes and all of this and, and generating you know, the initial juice and stuff to be able to ferment to become wine. The Bible says that the reason he's doing it is because he's hiding. He's trying to hide so that the Midianites won't know that he's got this crop. So that when they attack, they won't know that he's had this crop over here. So he's threshing wheat in the wine vat to hide it from the Midianites. That's the guy that God sends an angel to and says, Oh, you mighty man of valor. And he's like, dude, I thought I was in here alone. (laughs) You know, who's in here with me? Because I'm not a mighty man of valor. Who are you talking to? But that's, that's how God saw him because God saw what he could do in him, not what he was doing. Somebody, you needed that. That was good. I, I don't care who came up with that. That's just out of God's word. But sometimes you look at yourself... And you see what you're doing, and when God says He wants to do something powerful in your life, you're going, surely that can't be me, because I'm not what God is saying that I am. And here's the honest truth. You're probably 100% right. You are probably not, in and of yourself, that thing that God wants to make If you were, then you wouldn't need God. But God has put into you the makings of His plan for your life and what He wants to do with you. And while you might not be able to see it, and in fact you may be doing something that seems totally contrary to God's plan, but yet God can see you and speak into you what it is that He knows He wants to do in your life because it's about what He can do, not what you can do. So Gideon... Here's the the angel tell him that, you know, God wants to deliver the people through you. And he's going, man, I I don't know about this. And this is where we get this this awesome story about the fleece. So basically, you know, a a sheepskin. And so he goes through this whole process because he still is pretty timid and he doesn't have a whole lot of faith in believing. I mean, an angel has showed up and told him you're supposed to be the guy. God's picking you. And he's going, I don't know about this deal. I mean, think about it. For one thing, he's he's hiding. And, And here's why. I thought about this when I was going through this. Some people have gotten so accustomed to the enemy's attack in their life that they've just adjusted their life around the enemy's attack. There's stuff that just keeps coming at you in your life, and instead of finding a way to fight it, and become victorious over it through Christ, instead, we've just adapted to that, and so we've just changed how we're acting and how we're living to fit around, i must just going to be staying under attack all the time. And that's where the people of Israel were. This guy that God's choosing to lead, he's not off somewhere going, hey guys, we know that they're going to attack us at some point this year, we got to figure out, we need to fight. Instead, it's almost kind of like you telling your kid, Don't anybody get mad at me because I'm telling you about your kid and they need to fight, but it's almost like you telling your kid, look, I'm going to give you lunch money, but then I'm going to give you extra lunch money, so hide that in your shoe so that when the bully takes your lunch money, you still got some lunch money to go eat. I'm not advocating violence, but sometimes you need, oh, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this. Sometimes you need to tell them, hey, you need to smack him right in the lips and don't give up your lunch money no more. Because then when the school calls and says, you popped him in the mouth, I'm going to say, well, it's about time. <laughs> I don't know what took him so long. He quit taking my lunch money. And I don't know. He may come try to take you your lunch money tomorrow, but he's going to know at least you're going to put up a fight now. But parents just going, well, we just need to adjust to this. Baby, here's you some extra lunch money. So when he takes your lunch money the first time, you still got it so you can still eat. Just tell him, oh, well, just pop him in. Okay, all right, all right. That's Yes, the pastor said, don't let the kid take your lunch money. Because, hey, I mean, look, because you know what? That's what, if we're not careful, that's what we're raising up. And then that affects people then in their spiritual life. They won't fight for their marriage. They won't fight for their kids. They won't fight for their job. They won't fight for their, for whatever it is that's in their life. Because we teach them, oh, you know, you can't help it. But it was going on back then, He's hiding off in the wine vat instead of saying, you know what? I'm tired of this mess. Seven years you've come and stolen everything I've worked for. Can you imagine that? That for seven years in a row. You go plant a crop. You go out there and you weed the crop. You do everything to raise this crop. And then they come steal it. Year one, you're like, all right, that stunk. Year two. You're like, all right, this really stunk. This is two years in a row where now we don't have to provide for ourselves. We don't have stuff to provide for ourselves. And we put all this work in. And he does t- come and stole it twice. And then it was the third time. And then it was the fourth time. And then it was the fifth time. And then it was the sixth time. And then it was the seventh time. And now you're off hiding in a wine vat because you're going, well, at least maybe I can try to hide. I ain't going to fight. I'm just going to get in a wine vat, keep my head down, because I don't want nobody to see me. You know, I don't want to come popping up like whack mole Somebody see my head pop up out of wine vat. Oh, there he is. So they just put their head down, and they hide, and maybe the enemy won't see me and come steal from me this time. So that's where Gideon is, and Gideon goes, man, i got to figure out if this is really God or not. So he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of do a test. I'm going to take this fleece and he goes through this process. I'm going to put the fleece out and God, you know, let, let it, you know, overnight let the dew happen and let the fleece be dry and, and the ground be wet. And, and wait a minute, we got to try this again, you know, then maybe let the, let the fleece be wet and let the ground be dry and all this because i got to figure out if this is really God. See, there's a lot of people, God trying to find a way to deliver you from some stuff, but you're so adjusted to what it is that the enemy's doing in your life that you'll question God trying to set you free. Now, could this really be God trying to, trying to deliver me? Because God actually might want to use you for part of your own deliverance. But now, if God was just going to send somebody else, I mean, think about it. You, you know, maybe you've been praying and you need to get, you need to get some financial deliverance. You've been praying, God, I'm his. And, and, so, and so God comes along and he provides a, a job opportunity. But it's going to be a challenge. It's going to require you to leave your comfort zone. And you're going, man, I don't know about that, God. It'd be so much more awesome if you just send somebody to pay my bills off. <laughs> right? But you want me, you want me to be part of the solution. You want me to have to step out into a little bit of a danger zone for you to use me as part of the solution and you to work through me. Here's the thing, when you have to step out, then you have to be stepping out in faith. So your faith grows and then you see God do it. And so the next time God comes along and says, hey, I I need you to step out again. You're going, hey, I remember he did this before. But it's a whole different thing if somebody just shows up. And, hey, I here's here's a check for two thousand dollars. God just put it on my heart. Well, praise God for it. Take it. Go cash it quick before they change their mind. I mean, do do your thing. I mean, but but then the next time it happens, you didn't step out on faith. When something comes along in your life, you don't have that experience of faith. But, but that's where Gideon was. like, All right, we need to test God just to make sure because, man, I'm going to pop up out the wine vat and go convince a bunch of people to follow me. And I know that I wasn't really ready to follow anybody else because that's when I was hiding in the wine vat, threshing my weed over here. I not say anybody was with him. He didn't have no helpers. He's trying to keep it quiet. Because it's not a secret if another person knows, right? People say, can you keep a secret? No, because it ain't a secret once you told somebody else. It's not a secret anymore. He's over by himself, just threshing weak. I can just imagine. I can just see him in my mind. However, he's, he's threshing. He's trying to keep quiet. So we're hiding. And we get all the way up to where he gets people following him at the end of, of, of chapter 6. Verse 34 even says, the Spirit of the Lord took control of Gideon. Look at that. See, once you start start stepping out and and finally agreeing to do what God's calling you to do, God will just step in and take control. Did it mean that somehow, no. It didn't mean that that all of a sudden he still wasn't going to go fight. It didn't mean that he wasn't going to have to be out there, but God stepped into his willingness and God started directing And God started guiding. So verse 34 says, The Spirit of the Lord took control of Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Absarites rallied behind him. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, and they rallied behind him. He sent messengers throughout Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, who also came to meet him. And that's when he then goes and does his his fleece thing. All right, got to be sure. Got to be sure. And Gideon then said to God, God, don't be angry with me. He knew, God, I've got to go one more time. I'm going to test you one more time, God. Don't be mad at me. I just want to be sure. And every time God, in understanding where Gideon was, in understanding that Gideon's faith was a little bit challenged and he really wanted to be sure, God responded every time. I, you know, it, sometimes I think people take out of, out of this story because we just we're just getting the backstory. But I think when people get into this, they they want to overly criticize Gideon for not just being able to respond immediately to what God said. Here's the thing, if I don't find God being that way, then it's unnecessary for us to be that way. Can I get an amen? amen. God didn't look and go, how dare you, 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 you. Because that's God. It's got that echo? That's what we think, right? How dare you, 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 you. Do what I said, 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 said. That's not. God. God responds to his request every time. He's trying to help his faith along so that he can, he can trust and know what it is that he needs to do. And so then we hit chapter 7 where he says, He gets up early and they go camp beside the spring of Herod. The camp was below him, all this stuff. And the Lord says to Gideon, He's got. It says he's got 22,000 and it's going to leave him with 10. So he's got 32,000 people. They've lined up with him. 32,000 people to go fight this fight. All right, let's fast forward a little bit so that you'll understand as we go through this. (laughs) Verse 12 in chapter 7 says, Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and all the Kedamites had settled down in the valley. That's the enemy. Like a swarm of locusts. And their camels were as innumerable as the sand of the seashore. Okay, so, so they look down in this valley. And what they see is, and, and most of us, we don't get this because we, we've, if you're not, you know, from out of the Oklahoma area or something like that where people in the past have had these, you know, these, these locusts just come in and eat crops and everything. But if you are watching on TV, man, that's some crazy stuff right there. It it sounds like helicopters coming in. Because there's just, I mean, they just feel the sky. I mean, the sky just starts getting dark, and these logos just come in like a big old wave, and it sounds like there's just helicopters everywhere, and they and they'll land and they'll just eat junk and destroy it and they fly off. I mean, it's terrible. But they're like a cloud. He says, here, he says, look, he looked out on the enemy, and he gives us two descriptions. He says, they'd settled in the valley like a bunch of locusts. So everywhere you look, the enemy. But then he says, and they got a bunch of camels. And says, they're camels, and I, can, I just get this visual because, you know, camels generally are burnt. You know, they're that, that light tan color, you know. And he was typically sand from that part of the world. Gonna be that light tan color, and he says, it "Looking out there, said they're camels." Whereas innumerable was seeing the grains of sand. So you just look, and what should be, let's say that was all supposed to be green valley and whatever else. You just looking, it's just tan. There's camels, so ever, so so many of them everywhere. It looks like there's just sand all over, and the people look like locusts that have descended. That's the enemy. Can we can we go out on a limb and say that's probably more than a thousand people? All right, we good with that? It's probably more than 10,000 people. I mean, covering up whole valleys and stuff. All right, so now we got to go back to where they were. He says, God says to Gideon, he says, you got too many people. you got too many people. Because if I let you take these 32,000 people you have and go fight this group that looks like the grains of sand on the seashore, descended like a bunch of locusts, if I let you fight them, because you're going to win... But if I let you do it with 32,000 people, y'all are going to say, look what we did. I can just imagine. I don't know how it sounding in Hebrew, but I know it's just going to be like, who that saying we ain't bad? Who that? I just, there'd be some Hebrew thing. There'd be some King James. Dost thou say that we're not bad? <laughs> Dost thou dust thou <laughs> but I mean it's, that's what God says he says look you, if I let you guys do it with 32,000 you're going to say we did this so we need to get rid of some people so he says here's what I want you to tell them I want you to get all the people together and say alright anybody if you're afraid you can leave now and 22,000 people said see ya There's 32,000 people, and 22,000 said, I'm up and out, Jack. I'm gone. Here's what's interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 20, I'm going to share this with you. The the subtitle in in my Bible on Deuteronomy chapter 20 is Rules for War. Okay? Here's what it says in verse 8. The officers will continue to address the army and say, is there any man who is afraid or cowardly? Let him leave and return home. Why? So that his brother's hearts won't melt like his own. In other words, if you're going to act a coward while this is going on, you're going to make other people afraid. Why is that? Have you ever been around somebody? "Mm, Oh, this I don't care. This is good. Y'all have to get excited or not. I'm getting all excited all myself. God's trying to do something in your life, and you got a naysayer that's in your inner circle. You're going, man, God has opened this door for me. And they're going, well, you know, I mean, if you leave where you are, if you leave that job, if you, if you leave that place, if, if you do this different thing, I mean, you know, there's just, my goodness, there's so many bad things that can happen. There's some people, there's some of the smartest people in the world. I honestly believe they are some of the smartest people in the world because they actually can see things before they ever happen, and they don't actually happen, but they can see it. Right? You know, they, oh, if you do this, I can tell you, baby girl, I remember. I remember back when me and your grandpappy was about this old, and we did, that ain't got nothing to do with this, grandma. Nothing. Nothing. It ain't even close, yes, but I remember it's just an opportunity to tell a story half the time let's just be, let's just tell the truth but look and but there' are people that'll tell you and they'll start and they'll tell you how afraid you ought to be and how concerned you ought to be, and how this is probably going to fail and and oh, and if it does, it's going to be bad i remember I remember reading a, a joke one time it said this this guy was uh was in a uh, he was getting the training for her to be a semi truck driver, and, and so they were gonna team drive. He and his buddy Billy Bob, and and they're they asking him some verbal questions, you know, to go through some different stuff. And you know, what would you do if this happened? What would you do if that happened? And and they they look at they look at Jim Bob. We got Jim Bob, Billy Bob. Look at Jim Bob, and they said, Look, what would you do if you're on a very steep hill and y'all are coming down, and Billy Bob's over there asleep? And all of a sudden you realize at the top of the hill as you come over and start down that the brakes have gone out on the truck. What are you going to do? He said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake Billy Bob up because he ain't never seen a wreck like this is fixing to be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just the way. Look, isn't that the way that some people are in your life? You go, hey. I got this, and it's going to be some change. We go, oh my goodness, uh, if it goes bad, it's going to be so bad. you lose your house. You're going to lose your car. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. All I'm doing is just changing banks, man. That's all I'm doing. And people are, oh, but, but if somebody steals it from that other bank, they'd steal your identity. Then the next thing you know, you're going to be in a prison in Mexico. or I don't know. People just come up with crazy stuff, man. And you got those folks in your life. You got those folks in your life. And every time God goes to do something, they speak in some negative stuff. God told these folks, he said, look, here's what you need to do. Tell all the people in your life that are afraid and cowardly about what God is doing. Hey, when something starts happening in my life, y'all can all go home. I'm just, this wasn't where you thought I was going today. Because you don't need those people. You don't need those people in this moment because he says what will happen is you'll get afraid. God had established that as a rule already. Look, you go ahead and tell the armies, if you're afraid and if you don't want to fight and if you're going to be a coward, you know why? Because if you're in that circle with me, I'm going to depend on you. And if I'm depending on you and then you turn coward on me and you run, I'm exposed. You're not there to protect me and to be that that person to stand alongside me. And he says, well, we don't need any of that. You go out here and you got 32,000 people. You're thinking that you can depend on that there's 32,000 people, Gideon, but 22,000 of them, God knew, they're going to turn and run the moment that the fighting gets hard. That's the way it is with a lot of things in life. Marriage is hard sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Marriage is hard sometimes. I didn't get enough of an amen. Some of y'all just lying to yourselves. Let's just... Can I get an amen? It's hard sometimes. Amen. Amen. Raising kids is hard sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Having parents is hard sometimes. Amen. Amen. Paying bills is hard sometimes. (laughs) Doing what's right is hard sometimes. What you don't need is somebody else that's alongside you that's afraid and won't fight. Some stuff's worth fighting for. So 22,000 people turn back, so he's got 10,000. So can you imagine that Gideon's sitting there going, all right, okay, all right. I mean, we had 32,000. We still got 10,000. We got 10,000. I mean, it's it's less than a third of what we had. But but I think we can do this. I was hiding in the wine vat. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we can do this. And God says, hey, Skippy, (laughs) you got too many people. I can just imagine him going, oh, come on, God. Come on. I was in the wine vat. You sent an angel. I said, yes. I was scared. You sent a bunch of people. I said, let me put a fleece out. You answered. I said, "Hmm." I put the fleece out again. He answered. I said, okay, we're going to do this. Got 32,000, we're going to do this. And you took away 22,000 people. Come on. God says, take them to the creek. Maybe we're going fishing. I mean, that'd be kind of awesome. You know, 10,000 people, we can feed them. I don't like people to go fishing. I like people to go catching." Cause I know a lot of people go fishing. Y'all get that here in a minute. <laughs> if I'm going, I'm going catching. I ain't going fishing. Anyway. Well. <laughs> so what do they do? So, so they get down there and everybody, all right, man, we're at some water we can get. And the visual is that there's a bunch of people that what they do is they, they get down on their hands and knees and they put their face in the water. They're, they're just lapping water, you know, with their tongues. He said they're, they're kind of like a dog. We have one of the loudest drinking dogs. I just want y'all to know that stinking basset hound that we have in the house, it, it actually makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> because we'll be sitting there and you might be watching a movie or something, because her, her bowls and stuff are right there on the, on the sun porch. And, and so when she goes out there, it sounds like a cow is drinking. It's, I mean, it's just, and I'm like, oh my word. And you can tell she's thirsty because she goes at it for a while. And it's just, and it's kind of like when somebody's smacking their lips. You know how you get, and I'm like, stop it! And she'll, just get something to drink. That's what these people were doing. They're down there, so, Here's one thing that I know, though. I know that when she's making all that noise, I know a couple of things that's happening. Number one is her face is down, so she can't see what's happening around her because she can't be drinking water that way and looking around. The second thing I know is she is so stinking loud that there is no way that she's effectively hearing something sneak up on her that way. I mean, I'm not sneaky ninja enough to, to necessarily sneak up on her, although I do often try to scare her. I will admit that. But... I know, I'm sorry, but it's a lot of fun. And, but you can't sneak up, but, but it's so loud. So can you imagine, he's got 10,000 people now that are lined up along the water and they're drinking. And God says, hey, all the ones that got down, they put their face in it and they're doing all that, just tell them they can go ahead and go home. Why? Why do y'all think that is? Let's just, let's get, let's just get practical for a moment. So, because I kind of already set you that way, why do you think it is that he looks and God says, "Hey, those people aren't going to be good for the fight." What? Easy, targets. Easy targets. They're not aware. They're, not aware. They're too loud. Not alert. They're not alert. So, what's the the ones that he keeps? What did it say that they were doing? Got water in their hand. They watching. They're vigilant. They're paying attention. Now, can you imagine? Because he can't see like all 10,000 people. Like, you know, it's not like you can see them all at one time. Can you imagine in his mind when he's thinking and God says all the ones is like that? He's like, oh, (laughs) Lord, please let the majority of them be drinking out. Oh, no, they're not. (laughs) Man, look at, oh, come on. I mean, 300 people out of 10,000. I got 300 people that are paying attention. This is what it made me think about. You got a lot of people in your life, and we're talking from a spiritual standpoint here. You got a lot of people in your life that they all say they're not afraid. They're ready to go to the battle with you, but they are no more vigilant about what's going on. They're just ready to go. But, but spiritually, they're going to they die in the fight. <laughs> Let's just be honest. If you're counting on them, they're going to die in the fight beside you because they're not paying attention. They're, they say they're not afraid. I mean, those you, you already ran them off. All right, twenty-two thousand of them already left. You got nine thousand seven hundred more people in your life that are sitting there going, "No, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go to battle with you." And you're like, "Hey, there's an enemy on the right," and they're like, "Huh? What? Where? Who? Where?" Because you've got to narrow that down. Three hundred people. The Lord told him, "said I'll deliver." you with these 300 men who lapped, and I'll hand the Midianites over to you. But everybody else, tell them just go home. Here's what's interesting to me, and I, I, I really you know, want to dig a little more into this and probably end up being a separate thought, but in that last verse in 8, he said, so Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300. Then he says an interesting thing. Who took the people's provisions and their trumpets. There's 10,000 people left here. There's 22,000 is done gone. He got 10,000, and he tells them, hey, y'all need to go. And he says, they go back. But the 300 take the people's provisions. I'm still wondering. I, I'm still, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to preach this today, but I think there's some times in life where God's really saying, you know what? I have given people some provisions for them to get in the fight, but they're not willing to get in the fight, so I need you just to leave those provisions for some people that's that's ready to fight. You need to just go ahead and go back to doing your thing, but don't try to take the provision that I gave you for the fight and take it back home where it's not going to be used for the fight. You leave that with some people that actually want to get in the fight and do what I've called them to do. Mm Mmm. Sometimes the, the blessings and the things that we have in our life, it's not just so that we can go, "Oh, isn't this great? I got this great stuff. I got this great job. I got this great dad. I got this great other." God has a plan for you. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the dark, all that stuff. And it says it's a spiritual thing. I promise you, if you got a good job, God didn't just give you a good job so you could just have a good job. God gave you a good job because He has a spiritual plan for you. And that's going to provide some level of, of, of what he for what he's wanting to do in your life. He you said, "Well, I got a bad job. How about that? <laughs> been there, done that. We talked about that here in some recent weeks. How I many people's had a bad job? I mean, hey, we've been there. But I learned some stuff spiritually. maybe, the, maybe that job wasn't about the financial provision. Maybe that job was about maturing and growing." And all I saw was I'm in a bad stinking job and I wish I could hurry up and get out of this instead of me asking and saying, God, what is it you're wanting me to learn? Because maybe if I hurry up and learn it, you'll hurry up and deliver me. <laughs> but if you determine I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow, then maybe I'm going to stay here for a while until I get a hold of that. Because God has a plan. He wants you to accomplish. He wants you to be in the fight. But you've got to fight with your head up. It's like these folks, if you're afraid, God's going, hey, you need to get that fear thing figured out. Because you won't won't engage head on in the fight if you're afraid. If if you're not going to pay attention and you're just going to go about your everyday life just doing what it is that you think you're supposed to do, but you're not paying attention from a spiritual standpoint, well, you're not ready for the fight. What about when God sends somebody across your path, but you're so self-absorbed in what's going on and what you're doing, and you got the job to do, and you got this, and you got that, and you got the other, and you're completely oblivious to that God's sending somebody across your path that He needs you to step in and wage spiritual war in this matter. And look, don't get all freaked out about this idea of waging spiritual war. I mean, sometimes that's that's you. Uh, giving an encouraging word to somebody. It inflicts a mortal blow to the enemy that's trying to destroy that person's life because you come in and speak a positive thing into their life. You, you take a moment just to listen to somebody. Here's one of the most powerful things that you can work on when it comes to that. Stop listening in order to respond and listen in order to understand. And that's hard for all of us. Let's be honest. That's hard for us because the minute that somebody starts telling us something, we start trying to think about how we're going to respond. That's why we interrupt each other so much. Because we're really not that interested in what the other person's saying. We just want to hurry up and say what we want to say. You're going to have to discipline yourself if you want to be. That's part of spiritual warfare. I'm just telling you. We just over-dramatize this spiritual warfare thing sometimes. Sometimes that spiritual warfare for you is going to be fighting off the enemy in you that's trying to push you to not even listen to somebody. They're trying to tell you. They're trying to open their heart and share. You're just trying to... And for us guys, it's because we just start trying to fix it. Can I get an amen, ladies? You know, you start trying to tell him, Oh, I just had a bad day today because this person was just... He goes, well, you just need to do this. It's just what you need to do. Why don't you just look at them and say this? Why, I wasn't talking to you because I wanted you to solve my problem. I needed you to just listen. I needed you to hear me. Let me know you love me. Tell me that you care. If I really want it fixed, then I'll ask you, what do you think I need to do?" right? right. How many of you ever said to somebody, "I didn't ask you to tell me what to do." Right. You've got to be willing to pay attention. Got to send somebody across your path and you just want to hurry up because I just want to tell you how to solve this, and let's get on with it. Bottom line, I'm a bottom line kind of person. No, you' just an I don't care kind of person. I mean, let's be honest. No, 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 I care. I want it to get fixed for them. No, because you're not understanding that they have a particular need. They don't just need it fixed. They have a need to communicate. They have a need to share. They have a need to get that out. You're going to have to just stop and go, yes, I, I really want to go do this or I want to go do that, but I'm going to have to stop and just listen. And if I got to, you know, Lord, put your hand on my, what is it? Put your, put your hand or arm on your, my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. You know, God, just just keep me quiet. But you got to be aware of that. you got to be alert. Look, I can tell you, sometimes my alertness does not work all that well. You know, you ever had a problem where your alertness doesn't work real well? There are many times where about the time I say something, I go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, be tw- I've been married 25 years this year. There have been many times when I have said, and, and as the last word was coming out my mouth, I was like, dear Jesus, if you could take me back in time, I did I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that was wrong. He you said, you gotta take all these people that they don't pay attention. Get them out of the way. The interesting thing was that people got so focused the 10,000 or 9,700 people, they got so focused on I need some water that that's the only thing they were paying attention to. Man, you've been raided seven years in a row. You know that the reason y'all are all here is to get in a fight because this is year eight and we're tired of it. And what do you do? You're so accustomed to what's been happening that you just see a moment of provision and you just run and get focused on the provision and forget about that the reason we're here is because there's a fight. Oh, great. There's some water right here. We can go get our drink of water, but they're going to come take all our crops. I can't tell you how many parents have neglected and not seen what the enemy was doing to their children because they were over here looking at their job, they were over here looking at something else, and the enemy was taking the thing that they had been investing into for years and years and years and years, but because they got some little old moment of provision in some other area, they stopped focusing on the things that were the most important. And if there's people in your life that they are trying to draw your attention away from those things that are most important? And what are those things? For husbands and wives, I can tell you flat out, once we get away from God, once, it, once God just has to be a given in this, then your main focus is that spouse. It is not your children. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Because that's why so many marriages end up falling apart once the kids all grow up and move out. Because y'all don't know each other anymore. You haven't had any relationship with each other anymore. And now you're stuck in the house of somebody that you don't really know. And what are we going to do now? So they end up divorced. Because you've been focused on the You haven't been the thing you should have been investing into. Because look, it's kind of like I always tell, always, tell, always tell young people. Like these youths. These youths right here. You get out of high school, there's a lot of these people. You're never going to see them hardly again. Can I get it? Oh, whew. just make your bonus.! You ain't going to see some of them. So you're all worried about the in crowd and you're all worried about, and then you're going to get out of high school and you're going to go and move on and, and you're going to see them at the class reunion. And then they bawled and they are right, moving on. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about all that. Parents, you need to be worrying about that Spouse. Love your kids. Now, that's not what we're saying, but your kids don't need to take priority over. And guess what? Nobody else's kids needs to take priority over your kids. Church don't need to take priority over your family. But your family don't need to take priority over God. Let's not get those confused. Get stuff in, in balance. Paying attention. Being alert. The vigilant ones. Fighting with your head up. So it gets all the way down to 300. And God says, now, here's, here's the crew that I can go. They're the ones you need. They're not afraid. They're not neglectful. They're paying attention. They're alert, and they'll go fight. And if 300 will stay with you facing an army that looks like the grains of sand in this valley, that's 300 that you could die with if you had to. They some cowards you can live with, but they some heroes that you could die with. I want to tell you about the, the end of the story. I <laughs> the end of the story is good. See, sometimes we we get so we get so caught up in the fear of what God's calling us to do, and 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 we're hiding and we've adjusted to the enemy. I don't know. There 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 may be there may be some stuff in your life. I know. I know that sometimes there are are things that's been going on in your family that's been going on for so long that you've just accepted this is the way it's going to be. There's stuff going on in your marriage that's been that way. There's stuff going on with your kids that's that way. Kids, it's maybe with your brothers or sisters, and you think it's just going to be that way. And the enemy has been stealing from you. I mean, remember, that's what the Bible says the enemy comes to do. He comes to do what? To steal To kill and to destroy. And so he's been stealing from you. He's been taking your joy. He's been taking your kids. He's been taking relationships. He's been taking all of this stuff. And you've just gotten so adjusted to it that you assume this is the way it's going to be. This is what life is. And so you're off trying to get a little bit of your blessing hiding in the wine vat, afraid of the enemy. If he notices, he'll come and he'll take it. Because... You've almost gotten convinced that greater is he that's in the world than he that's in you versus the scripture that tells us greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then you're thinking, well, I I, got to get all these people and surround myself. And God's going, man, I'm telling you what, there's really only going to be that handful that's going to come alongside you. Jesus is going, look, I had 12. And one of them, one of them was a devil. (laughs) So I I had my 12. That's the ones I get around me. There's a lot that followed. I, I was feeding thousands of people, but there's 12 that followed me everywhere I went. Even they, they struggled when he got captured. They struggled. He even warned them in advance, right? And he says, hey, the devil's desired to have you and he's going to sift you like wheat. After all that's done and as you've been tried and you come out, then I want you to go feed my sheep because you're going to turn your back on me. You, you, you're going to struggle. It's just that handful First thing is you got to decide and you got to recognize that, man, God is not saying, and, and you don't have to accept that the enemy just can have his way with me year after year after year after year. At some point it's time to say, God, I want to be part of the solution. I'm ready to fight. I'm tired of the enemy attacking my family. I'm tired of him attacking my parents. I'm tired of him attacking my siblings. I'm tired of him attacking me, attacking my job, attacking me at school, attacking whatever it is. I'm tired of it. Some of you just ain't had enough yet, I guess. Because you ain't got mad enough yet spiritually. You ain't got mad enough to say, get your hands off my family. Get your hands off. Off my marriage. Get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my job. Get your hands off my thought life. Get your hands off of my, my computer. And by the way, get my hands off of it. God, if you get mad enough, all that stuff you'll you will tackle that thing. And I promise you, it won't just be that you got the broom and the door and you knock it out. God comes alongside and he's going to say, yeah, see, I've been trying to get you to be strong and of good courage this whole time. And now that you done had enough and said, I'm through with it because I've been wanting to empower you the whole time. Fight with your head up. Let's pray.